Well, hi, TJs. Happy Monday. It's John here. Uh, I spoke to Brian Murphy, Global Head of Learning at AstraZeneca. You may have heard of them. They've been in the news a little bit in the last few months. We had a great conversation about the learning trial, which is a project that uh, Brian and his team put together recently. Um, Not going to tell you too much about it. It's probably best to let him explain. So we talked about the learning trial and uh, his approach to that. Also, learning effectiveness Lots of exciting things about the learning strategy at AstraZeneca. And this is the first part of a content partnership with AstraZeneca, which is encompassing uh, a three-part feature and also a written interview with Brian as well. Uh, So lots of interesting stuff going on. It's obviously a very good time to be talking to them about uh, the things they're doing. Some of it not directly related to why they're in the press, but uh, it all kind of links together and it is all uh, very, very important, not just for what's going on right now, but for learning strategy, learning effectiveness and upskilling your people, and not just in pharma too. So it was a really good chat with Brian. Let's see what he has to say. For a bit of context, uh, first off, just give me an overview of what uh, the the AstraZeneca learning trial is all about. Great. Uh, Thanks, John. Nice to talk to you today. The AstraZeneca learning trial, this is an interesting piece of work we've been been doing uh, over the last six months or so. Um, Essentially, the background to this is... Uh, we're, we are a, you know, you've probably heard of us recently, we're a, a science organization. So, so learning culture and a, and a growth mindset is very much at the center of, of what we do. So we have a great opportunity in L&D here to, to propagate that and support that. We, we got really interested in the science of learning. And um, uh, as a result, uh, and in particular, the, the informal learning, the everyday learning that happens um, in the, uh, the rich learning environment that is our company, uh, through our experiences and our exposure to our colleagues, really s- smart, brilliant colleagues. So we did a learning trial, a learning experiment. It's, it's effectively a field experiment uh, where we wanted to um, uh, test a hypothesis. Is it possible to build the foundations of a, of a habit of everyday learning in the space of four weeks? And we, uh, we gathered a, a group of colleagues together with a control group because we, we wanted to make this uh, really robust uh, our scientists would, would expect it, uh, that of us. But, we, but by embracing our, our learning behaviors, bravery, curiosity, collaboration, and taking um, the three E lens, which is the, our framework for learning at, at AstraZeneca, experience, exposure, and education, uh, could we help people to enhance their ability to make their mark on, on the business through learning? So effectively, we asked these colleagues to, to go through this learning trial every day, and I participated in this myself, every day uh, we would receive a piece of content. In effect, it was a nudge. And um, unbeknownst to, to many of the participants, embedded in that, in that piece of content was, um, was, was a lot of clever behavioral science, really. We worked with some really great, um, a, a really fantastic uh, behavioral scientist on this Guy Champness and Guy really embedded in this piece of content some really clever uh, different effects like Regency effect and vividness effect and all of these great great things and then during the day each day then we would record our learning moments the whole idea is learning moments are all around us they happen all the time through all of our interactions and through all of our experiences so yeah really interesting piece of work um, and it's, it's definitely helped us shift the, the conversation in the organization around the importance of everyday learning in a very science and data-driven uh, business like ourselves. I mean, of course, 
Yeah, the learning trial, just even the name of it, seems to have echoes of scientific rigor to it. Um, do you think working in pharma specifically has influenced your approach to the effectiveness of the trial? Yeah, it's a, good, it's a great question. I, I, I suppose yes and no. And what I mean by that is, you know, I think my underlying beliefs in have not changed in terms of, of how learning happens. We predominantly learn through our experiences in life and work and through our connections with other people. I mean, that, that is, if anything, has been reinforced by this, this work. However, the context of working in a science organization, I, I've previously worked in financial services, so, so it's, the context is different. And we did intentionally take a scientific approach to this work. I think as a profession, we, you know, as an LD profession, and you, you'll know this, John, and your listeners will know this, we, we have to you know, increasingly become more data-driven and more scientific uh, about, about our work. And, and this field experiment really helped us move into that space. But working in pharma with colleagues, very smart colleagues who, who are you know, really uh, orientated in this way helped us um, to get a demonstrable, tangible set of results um, and I, I, it really brought into contrast for me the need to think of our work and learning more through a behavioral lens. At the end of the day, <clears throat> you know, if you boil it down, what are we here for? We're here to help uh, people to to change. And, um, you know, I think McKinsey says 70% of change fails because of, because, you know, our people, people's behaviors don't change. So, uh, I, so yes and no answer, if you don't mind me giving you a yes and no answer to that question. Um, uh, I think the context is different, but some of the fundamentals remain the same. So learning transfer is something which is a term that's kind of come to the, I mean, it's been around for a long time, but it's a term that's coming to the fore a bit more. Uh, what does the follow-up process look like for a learning trial in terms of learning transfer for you? I mean, I'm not, I'm not a behavioral scientist, but as I said, we, we did work closely with behavioral scientists on this, on this piece of work. I think the learning transfer piece if, if it's knowledge transfer, I, I don't think that's what we were after here. We, we were truly, truly looking for this behavior change. And the science of behavior change would suggest the need to prime this change up front uh, to form a habit. And that's what we did here. And the, the trial dem demonstrated the, our ability to do that. But then to, to your point, you know, to sustain that change, you need to work on creating the right conditions where that habit is supported and sustained individually and collectively. So as, as individuals, we are responsible for that, continuing that uh, into practice. And then the environment, the collective, so in the organizational sense, how the environment is shaping that up. There's some really interesting research out there around this. And if the goal is to become a true you know, habit, and this is something we're working on uh, as, the, as the trial has ended, is, so, so I'll give you some examples. So we would tend to continue with a practice if the environment causes us to do it. So an environmental cue. So if you think about, um, I think the research shows all the green spaces, the cities that have the most green space, you see um, the higher levels of exercise and, that, uh, and as a result, health, right? So uh, being really conscious about the environment uh, is important. So in our case, in this learning trial, we have a learning for life uh, initiative within the organization that increasingly fosters a conversation around learning and the importance of everyday learning. And we have other environmental cues we work on as well. The second one is you're more likely to continue something if it, if it becomes easier. If you realize it removes the perception that things are difficult, that's just human nature. Thirdly, if we enjoy something and we get better at it, it's like going to the gym or, or taking up a new pastime, uh, more, we're more likely to, to sustain that. So you get over that hump. And then lastly, loss aversion. 
um, this is, you know, again, I'm picking up some stuff from our behavioral scientists. It hurts us more to lose something than to gain it. So if I gave you 10 pounds and then I whipped it back from you, John, uh, net net, you're going to probably be in a less um, motivated uh, uh, state of mind. So, you know, all of these behavioral cues are really interesting and, and are important to bear in mind if we're looking to change behavior and then help people form a habit to sustain the change. And that's something we're, we're working on as part of this work. My next question I'm going to try and articulate this properly, but um, you often see people presenting reasons and evidence for making changes, either based either through storytelling or through a kind of data-driven approach. Some people put a lot of kind of uh, stock in storytelling. Some people go for the numbers. It doesn't mean they can't be combined, but do you think there's, there's room for storytelling and role play in uh, the AstraZeneca learning strategy or are you very data focused because of the industry that you're a part of? It's a fab, fabulous question. I think um, there, are, there is absolutely room for storytelling. You know, as, as, as humans at our, in our, at our core is a need for storytelling and to, you know, that if you go back in time, that's, that's effectively how we've learned and how we've, how we've connected with one another. So we do use storytelling. It's an essential part of our, uh, our work and, and our Learning for Life initiative, we use storytelling a lot to help people understand, bring this to life for people around how we learn every day. We use our three E's framework and we, we tell stories, uh, uh, colleagues tell stories around how they've used that to, be, to, to, be, uh, to, to grow and, and be successful. But data, to your point, is, is critical. And, and, and this learning trial has actually helped us to, um, to improve our our ability in that in that space and particularly in an organization like ours where uh, you know evidence-based research is is in the DNA of, of the place but there's another angle to your question which is around the stories behind the data so so we need to get better as a team at uh, using data but then telling the stories and extracting the story that that is that lies therein and I think this is a broader you know opportunity stroke challenge for our profession, where perhaps we've shied away from that in the past, um, really embracing data. But then, as you say, it's not either or, absolutely using storytelling. That's where you engage people. That's where you connect with people. So I think, I think it's both. And how you bring both of those things together is, is uh, getting that, that mix, mix right is, is um, I think, part of our future success. So I've got one last question, and it's to bring things a bit more into the current moment. And that's the AstraZeneca is obviously in the news a lot. So what does that feel like and what are the implications, if any, for learning and development for you? I, I think the overwhelming feeling that we all have is pride. We're at a, in a, working for a remarkable company at a remarkable time. You know, uh, we're not a vaccine company by, by background. You know, we've, we've had to um, really lean into this, this, challenge, this, world, this challenge that the world is facing. And, and so I think overwhelmingly it's, it's pride. The purpose of the company, it's an incredibly purpose-driven organization. You know, our purpose is pushing the boundaries of science in order to deliver life-changing medicines to patients around the world. So in short, our work has true meaning, and that's palpable in every conversation you have and every colleague that you interact with. I think the implications for L&D, well, you know, as I said earlier on, we are by nature a learning organization, a science and discovery 
organization. As an L&D function, we, you know, we help support and propagate that growth mindset. It's, it's intentional in our focus on our, on our, focus on continuous learning uh, every day as part of work. And I think that the crisis has just continued to deepen this focus. And the vaccine is a great example. You know, this is an example of an organization unlearning. Uh, you know, traditionally, a, a vaccine takes 10 to 15 years, and it, it's been produced in 10 to 12 months. So unlearning is, is really a key skill. And, and a, you know, our role as, L, as L&D is to help the organization develop that learning agility in, at a collective, uh, at leadership, at team, at an individual level. So for us, it's the balance between deep subject matter expertise, which is critical for, uh, for our industry, but also this learning agility. And that's why L&D can play a key role in creating the community and connection, that creating that community and, and connection, which is critical for innovation and success, where you have people of different perspectives uh, collaborating and learning together. And that's really where the magic happens. And I, so I think we, we're, we're, we feel pretty privileged as an organization and proud and, and privileged as an L&D team that we can play a, play a role in that. Great stuff. Well, Brian, this is the very first part of uh, a collaboration in several different uh, types of media that coming up on TJ. But thanks ever so much for your time today. And there's more coming up in future. Thank you very much. Thanks, John. Look forward to it.